0: This is a CNA Podcast.
1: Hello and welcome to Womankind, a podcast on all things women. I'm Penelope Chan, editor of CNA Women. And I'm Hidayah Salama,
0: CNA Women correspondent. Today we're asking... Maternal
1: instinct, is it a fact or a myth? These two words, maternal and instinct. Putting them together in the same space is both fearsome and fearful. (laughs) It raises so many questions about motherhood and whether women are meant to somehow know how to be mothers. Let's not even talk about being a good one. So to help us unpack this topic, we have our guest, Sylvia Wetherell. She is a perinatal mental health counsellor at Alliance Counselling in Singapore. Sylvia,
2: welcome. Thank you very much for having me today. I think this is a fascinating topic.
1: So in the name of science and research, for which I cannot profess to have a lot of skill in, I did a very small poll of my friends, some of whom are mothers and some who aren't. And there were a few men thrown in that as well. So I asked about 10 of them. The very question we are trying to dissect today, is maternal instinct a fact or a myth? All I wanted was one answer from each person. That turned into a deep dive on what maternal instinct is, how it plays out, and whether it can be honed. So that's exactly what we're discussing today. Can you guess what the results were? I think most of the people you
2: surveyed would have said it's real, that it's a fact.
1: Is that what they said? Hit, what do you think?
0: (laughs) I feel like a lot of women think that maternal instinct is real. So I think, yeah, if most of the people you polled are women, they might say that it's real. Okay, so here are the results.
1: 7 out of 10 of my friends polled said maternal instinct is a myth. Mm -hmm. Okay, so a psychotherapist could spend a lot of time dissecting what those results mean and looking at the deeper meaning behind it. But I only did this poll because I was curious about what maternal instinct is. So Sylvia, help us out. What is it exactly? I'm wondering already if the friends you
2: surveyed with this question... If I was a betting person, I would say they had a tough time becoming parents. I think those women had a tough time becoming mothers. And perhaps they started motherhood with this idea that maternal instinct is scientific. Everyone gets it. Everyone feels immediate attunement with the baby and can read cues as soon as they give birth. And perhaps they were disappointed when they had their own baby. So it will be interesting alongside asking, is it a fact or is it a myth? How was your experience as a new mother? How was that like for you? Because my guess is that those seven women who responded that way had a tough adjustment to motherhood.
1: When I look at these women that I polled and I look at how they are as mothers, I would see some of them as being innately inclined and innately equipped to care for their children. But there are also others whom I can see they had to learn. And that was my experience as well. I had to learn everything, which is why when you put the words instinct and innately together, they bother me quite a bit. The point is that... Someone, society out there telling us that being maternal is natural and women are supposed to be innately equipped to care for our children. And I feel a little disturbed by it. There is a body of literature out there that says that this concept of maternal instinct is actually damaging to women because of all the pressure that it puts on women
2: yeah yes i agree with you even the term innately it says if you either have it or you don't what does that mean innately inclined when was that was it from the first day they had their baby was it the first month the first year what does that look like and talking about maternal instinct it sounds as if it's not a conscious behavior. It's just reflexive and you should know how to respond to a baby. You should know what to do on the scientific side, is that there is hormonal priming that happens during pregnancy. So your hormones are working to tinker with your brain, and this has been shown your brain is changed during pregnancy. And once you give birth, you get all that oxytocin that makes you more likely to be responsive. But that is not the same as what we hear out there and in social media about what maternal instinct is. Because I feel like what's out there about maternal instinct is that women are like these goddesses that once they birth the baby, they kind of fall in love and they can, oh, my baby's tired. No, my baby's hungry. Or I need to change a nappy as if innately they know these things just through the act of giving birth, like a magical download that's happened. Yeah. So you're saying that a lot of it is
0: like physiological. Yes,
2: there is a physiological aspect. All that hormonal priming, the brain tinkering that happens in pregnancy and postpartum does play a role. And if you, give someone a lot of oxytocin after they have a baby, they will be more responsive.
0: Correct me if I'm wrong, but women after they give birth, some of them would naturally or automatically lactate when they hear a baby crying. Is that a myth? It's not a myth. There is some
2: truth to that, Mm -hmm. but I want us to consider that we're talking about the average good experience. If a woman has a good pregnancy and a good birth and everything goes to plan and the hormones do what they're supposed to do and the baby's put on her chest and they have that contact, perfect. That's a good start. Even then, doesn't mean that the woman will have all this innately maternal instinct, but still that gives them a good start a lot of the women I work with have had really tough pregnancies. Some of them have had traumatic births. Mm. And so that sets you off to a really difficult start because you're lacking confidence. Some babies are taking to you, so you have less exposure to the baby. How are you supposed to have these maternal instincts when your baby's not even with you? That's a tough start.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. And back to the debate then about whether maternal instinct is a fact or a myth. There are many things that are supposedly innate in women that are actually not. I think maternal instinct is just one of them. And while researching this topic, I came across a similar phrase, the compassion instinct. According to research, women are able to spot compassion and show compassion more readily than men When faced with a crisis, men tend to adopt the fight-or-flight response, while women, the tend-and-befriend response. That's what Mm -hmm. I'm hearing. But according to science, this is not so much because of a person's sex, but more due to the kind of socialization that the individual was taking part in. Is it really nature versus nature, or a little bit of both? What do you think, Sylvia? It's
2: always both this debate, we've realized after all this research that there's an important genetic component to many behaviors. There's the hormonal priming that happens, but a lot of it has to do with socialization. For example, during pregnancy, the brain of the woman changes during the course of pregnancy and postpartum for an increased theory of mind, which means the increased ability to read other people. Mm -hmm. But this has more to do with roles. And men and women's brains are not that different, really. Why don't we talk about paternal instinct? If you have a man be as exposed to the baby as the woman is, they will be as instinctive and responsive and able to read baby's cues. So then we're not talking about the nature side of things. We're talking about socialization and exposure and the process of learning. I want us to talk about learning rather than how you either have it or you don't, or you're not a motherly person. How about treating this as a bit of a scientific experiment, open mind, trial and error, let me learn about my baby. And I think what's also happening is that we are so disconnected from the community, from families. Most of us have not had a lot of exposure to infants and caring for them. And so many women become mothers, and that is the first time they're actually changing a baby's nappy and holding a baby and feeding a baby. They've never done this before. It's a huge, steep learning curve. And I think we have to be a lot more gentle and compassionate with these new mothers and not put that pressure that they should know what's going on with baby. It's a learning process and that takes time to build.
1: Yeah, I have to add that you don't just build that instinct or those skills with your first baby, you have to do it with every baby that you have. When I had my first, I didn't know anything. And you're right, it was the first time I ever changed a diaper. I'd never carried such a small baby before. I didn't even know how to bathe a baby. Just the thought of it was just really scary. So I learned. It took months before I developed those skills. And then when I had my next few children, I thought I'm about there. I've done it before and I should be able to do it. But I realised that it wasn't true at all. With every child that I've had, I've had to learn most things all over again. And I realized along the way that it was really not so much about this instinct, but about understanding your baby and getting to know their individual personality rather than anything else. Absolutely. Every baby is unique in the same way we are all
2: different. We are all unique. And so you have to get to know this baby in front of you to get to know each other takes time. My concern these days is that a lot of new mothers are using social media and these experts out there who are teaching them how to read their baby's cues on a blog or on Instagram. Has this person actually spent some time with your baby? Because what works for her baby or the average baby who's not real, it's probably not going to work for this baby. It might, but it might be luck as well. So I would like to invite women to, instead of referring outside all the time, to go internally and check with themselves and with their baby. What do I think of this? Has this worked in the past? Should I try something new? And again, you have to go through this learning process with every new child that you have because they're all different. Now, I think, Penny, the difference is when you have your second, your third, your fourth, what changes is that you are already a mother. And so you already come at it from a place of confidence. Mm. Like my first child survived. I think it's going to be okay. So you're more relaxed and you're giving your baby a little bit more space. You know it's going to be fine in the end and they grow out of certain behaviors and patterns, et cetera. And so you're sitting with the confidence. And I think that really helps with the learning process. But new mothers tend to have a lot of anxiety. It's not just maternal preoccupation. New moms, it's quite a scary thing to have this newborn baby. And what am I supposed to do with this? I remember at the hospital when I had my first one, and I could not believe they were letting me go home with the baby. Don't I have to (laughs) sit a test? How do you know I'm actually going to be able to keep this being alive? I was hesitating. They were just, okay, (laughs) bye. I was looking at my husband. I was terrified. I think my husband drove, it was like five minutes away. It took us 20 minutes to get home because he was driving so slowly and I was panicking and I was thinking, what have we done? And somehow we're supposed to get home and no know what to do with the baby. And I think we're failing women. We're failing new parents in terms of preparation, adjusting expectations. And this reminds me of this instinct that people talk about out there, that as soon as you look at your baby, you meet your baby, you'll have this instant connection. It's going to be this love that you've never felt before. The angels will be singing. And I looked at my daughter. She was 42 weeks. She was big and she had big eyes and she stared at me. They put her on my chest She stared at me with fixed (laughs) eyes, and I was terrified. It was like she was saying, don't mess this up. There was no automatic download and crazy love. I was just scared. And it took some time to get to know her and to fall in love and to feel comfortable. Falling in love is not just love at first sight. You need to hang out with your baby to fall in love. So I wish we'd (laughs) stop doing that to mothers and put it in movies. A lot of women's experiences, if you ask them, this is another good poll for your friends, Penny. is like, what was it like when you made your baby? And I will tell you that the minority have instant love, connection, bonding. It's amazing. A lot of women are just exhausted and just want to have some sleep, have some Milo and piece of toast and recover from that experience.
1: I absolutely agree with you. When I had my first, I actually asked to stay an extra day in the hospital. Very wise. I was just too scared to go home. And I asked my doctor, I said, do I really have to go home tomorrow? Can I stay one more day? Because there were just so many things that I felt that I didn't know. I didn't know how to breastfeed properly and I didn't want to think about bathing the baby, you know, figuring out nap times. And this thing that you say about falling in love with your baby, it never happened to me at first sight. In fact, if I think about it, I think it took me two years to really fully Fall in love with my child, where I could say, I love you so much. I don't know what I would do without you. Two years. And it was a process of getting to know this person, figuring out who they are, their likes, their dislikes, what I like about them and what I didn't like about them. And those first few days at home after the hospital, it was just a whole chaotic mess of asking the baby, why? Why are you doing this? What are you doing? I don't understand what you want. I don't know what all these cries mean. And I think what you're saying about social media and a lot of what women are seeing in movies is so true. There is this pressure. We know as logical, rational people that these things don't really happen in real life. But that doesn't stop us from feeling this pressure to be able to sense certain things. Until today, I still feel envious whenever I hear these stories about women who are so maternally inclined – the biggest myth of all for me is the one which says that a mom can pick out her baby's cry from other babies' cries. If you blindfolded me when this happened, I would simply just pick up the wrong baby and breastfeed it. I just wouldn't be able to tell. And yet, what
2: does that say about you? Do we have to judge you as a mother based on that? This is not a competition. Your process unfolded in the way you needed to unfold it for you and your child, and that's okay. And you love your child now, and it can take a long time to fall in love. But who is having these conversations? We've been running free support groups for a long time, and women come in, and we have these conversation to demystify some of this. But if you've had a tough pregnancy, tough birth, you're struggling with breastfeeding, you're middle of the night holding your crying baby... kinds of things that go through your mind is, what is wrong with me? I'm terrible at this. What have I done? I'm failing this child already. I'm a terrible mother. These are the kinds of thoughts women have because somehow they've bought in consciously or unconsciously to this idea that they should just know what to do and they should be able to interpret the cry. And if you have a tough experience first time around, it can take a long time to build up confidence after that.
1: So we talked earlier about hormonal priming and how that biological change in a woman's body prepares her for this afterbirth journey. Mm -hmm. So is it possible that when you do fall pregnant, all women would have some level of maternal instinct? We've talked about how it's a myth to some extent, but do you think that all women have it in them? I think that physiologically, there will be many similarities,
2: but let's not forget the psychological components and personality as well. So the mothers that I see that struggle the most are the ones who like a lot of predictability, like to have a lot of control. And they've had a lot of control all their lives. If I do A and B, I get C. There's a formula for everything Mm -hmm. that can fix every problem. And they go into motherhood with these kinds of expectations. And I think the women who do better postpartum in terms of maternal instinct and maternal bonding, I think are the ones who are more curious, more open, more responsive to changes rather than this rigid fixing. I've read my book, let's try this approach and going outside to fix problems. So I think, yes, there can be some hormonal priming. However, how that translates into behavior is going to be filtered through that personality, through your history, through your culture. It's never that simple. And if you come from certain cultures where for example, you rely a lot on your mother or your mother-in-law to do caregiving. Perhaps it will take a little bit longer to develop that intuition with reading the baby. There are so many factors at play, and we cannot just rely on that hormonal priming and the physiology of it. But one thing I didn't want to dismiss completely in our conversation today is this idea of maternal, you know, like a sixth sense, an intuition, because I have also seen incredible cases of this, of mothers somehow knowing what no one else can see, that part of your brain that is very rational, decision-making, that front part of your brain, all the doctors, everyone else is saying, you're being irrational, you're being anxious, there's nothing wrong with the baby, for example. And a mother somehow just knows that something is off. And I've had clients who have had that experience, and I've encouraged them once we've had a conversation, how can you tell the difference between what is anxiety and what is intuition? And it's so
0: hard to tell them apart sometimes. Yes, yeah, so on that note, I was going to ask you, Sylvia, if you think that one can have maternal instinct... If one is not a mother, I'm asking because I don't have children, but I've always loved them and I always wanted to be a mom. And in a way, you could even say I'm good with babies. At first, I attributed it to the fact that I was 17 when my mom had her youngest. And so I had to pick up on how to carry a baby and sometimes I would take the baby out to appointments That's one thing. But I also wanted to talk about, you mentioned, is it anxiety or instinct? Because I do have anxiety and I've been told that because I'm highly sensitive, that's why I seem to be able to maybe detect certain things in my brother, for example, and other babies that I'm surrounded with. What's your thoughts on that? With the first question, I think that absolutely, you do not
2: have to physiologically birth your child to have maternal instincts. Otherwise, what would you make of adoptive mothers? Mm. That's only part of the story. Adoptive parents can be incredible parents, just as good or better than the other parents. It's not about that, it's their learning process. You were exposed to a young sibling when you were 17. All that exposure enabled you to have this learning curve earlier than other people. Mm. And therefore, you are better at reading infants, perhaps, and understanding their needs, which makes you more responsive. There's even some research out there, like grandparents, for example. The more exposed they are to the baby, the higher the levels of oxytocin. And then we get into their loop. Nature is very clever. So an adoptive parent adopts the baby. Learning process takes place. They build up that intuition and instinct. Oxytocin levels go up, creating that loop. So parents and grandparents and friends, nannies, the more exposed you are, the better you'll become with your instincts Mm. and intuitions about the child. Now, anxiety and intuition. This would be a whole other conversation because it's really interesting, comes up a lot. When you are anxious, it's like your antenna are up. You're more vigilant. And therefore, you kind of alert, big eyes, watching the baby, analyzing, oh, is this different from last time? You're just more alert and vigilant. That means that you're picking up on a lot more data that other people perhaps aren't picking up on. Hmm. And it's because of this vigilance that anxiety can bring up. And anxiety, let's not make it like it's just a bad thing. There's a reason why we have anxiety. And we talk about maternal preoccupation. Some of that, it's quite anxious thinking about the baby. For example, having a thought that, oh, this plug is exposed and you get this kind of feeling of worry and anxiety. What do you do with it? Is that a bad thing? No, go and put a cover on it. Put some grills on your windows. So anxiety is not necessarily bad. It's bad when it becomes pathological and you're not sleeping well because you're hovering over the baby, poking the baby many times a night to make sure it's breathing or constantly catastrophizing, and it stops you from being the kind of mother that you want to be. But I think a little bit of that anxiety is actually quite productive. And like you say, it can actually even make you better at reading the baby. It can make you better at reading other people. Mm. But that can be quite exhausting to have that
0: kind of vigilance. I think one way is to see what is fact and what is myth. Like what we're discussing now. So it's a good way to see whether you're overthinking based on assumption or there is really some fact to what you're panicking about. Wow, there are like so many branches to this. I was not expecting that. There is.
2: Sometimes I invite clients to think about, is this productive anxiety? Or is this unproductive anxiety? Productive anxiety, you can do something about it. Short term, you can modify it or stop it. And then I encourage them. Anything that you can control and do something about, please go and problem solve, do that. And then if it's unproductive, it's normally the mind coming up with all kinds of stories about what's wrong with the baby and about what if this happens in the future. It tends to be very future-focused, doom and gloom, like premonitions about bad things happening in the future. Future. Even with postpartum anxiety, women can still have a deeper intuition. And so, this is where it's good to talk with a professional to help you tease out what is anxiety and what is not. Mm. But if you have someone who's already struggling with mental health becoming a mother, and then you have this idea that somehow I should know what to do, mm. then you're really setting them back. Mm. And as we know, one in five women will be struggling with anxiety, depression when they have their baby. Also, we're looking at about a third of women who have some kind of traumatic experience, some trauma symptoms after delivery too.
1: I think the worst thing that you could say to a friend after she's had a baby is simply to just tell her, don't worry, you'll know what to do.
2: It's just not true. It's not true. Thank you for articulating it so well. (laughs) What do you think would be a good thing to say to a
1: new mother? I would ask, what do you need help with? Or I would offer help because I think that's what new mums need. It doesn't have to be asking for help for big things. It could be just small things. And with friends who've had a baby, because I've gone through those experiences myself, I've always said, if you need anything, just text. If it's something that I can help with, I'll help. I agree with you. I think that's one of the best things that you can do,
2: offer practical help. And stop telling women that they will know what to do, that somehow it will happen when you have your baby, you'll see. No, let's be honest with each other. We don't have to go into scary stories and telling all the worst parts of motherhood, but can we be a little bit more real with each other and say, that was one of the hardest things I've ever done. And often I will start my support groups with that. I'm a mother, two kids, one's 11, one's seven, and it's still the hardest thing that I do. That sets the bar and sets that kind of vulnerability so women can share with each other. But we are not telling pregnant women the realities and the steep learning curves and the adjustment and the impact it will have on their relationships, their sense about themselves, their roles, the strain, the sleep deprivation, giving birth and what it does to you. We need to be talking to women about this. Or breastfeeding. that many women hear during pregnancy is the most natural, instinctive thing. And everyone can do it. It is simply not true. It's probably one of the hardest things you will ever do, again, and it doesn't come easily for everyone. And sometimes you need a lot of support and sometimes it just doesn't work and it does not make you a failure or a bad mother. There are many ways to love your baby.
0: Mm. Penny, you mentioned as new moms, it will be helpful if you actually ask for help. And Sylvia, it was actually a pilot episode topic. Why do women find it so hard to ask for help? <laughs> so we discussed this earlier that instead of waiting for someone to ask for help, we would offer it because if not, yes, they would Yes, I'm not raising ask, my right?
2: hand. I was one of those. <laughs> really bad yeah. at asking for help. I had this idea about myself. I'm a strong, independent woman. I don't need anyone. I've got this. I can do this. Sometimes you carry on with that narrative because you've had an okay experience, but sometimes it's just overwhelming. And why? What are we trying to prove here? I realize I carry these notions of almost martyrdom. Mm. Mothers are like suffering, all giving, all Mm. suffering. Selfless. And martyrs, like selfless, saint-like figures. Mm. Where does this come from? And I think part of it is from my culture, I'm Portuguese and kind of being raised in this way, like there's nobility in suffering and therefore a mother should suffer somehow. That makes you a better mother. My goodness, it took me a while to actually shake these off and go hey, can you please help me with this? I'm going to have a nap. I'm going to go for a walk. I'll be back in an hour. Mm. It took me some time because it felt like I was being weak if I asked for help. Mm. There's something you can learn. And you can't do this on your own with a baby. You'll be isolated, alone, struggling. You need a partner. You need family. You need good friends. You need paid helps. Get that support. That doesn't make you weak. That makes you smart and resourceful. So do it. To be a good mother, you don't have to be self-sacrificing and just selfless all the time.
0: So my question to you would be, what does it do to a woman's mental well-being? And in fact, even physical well-being when she feels or realizes that she lacks the maternal instinct? So that can increase
2: symptoms of depression. Imagine someone who already comes with this belief that I'm not good enough. And here is more evidence. I'm failing at this. I don't feel like I have those maternal instincts. Therefore, I'm a failure. It compounds that and increases levels of depression. So that's potentially one way it could affect women. I've seen this with some clients where because I feel like I don't have this, I'm not a good mother, and I start believing those stories of my mind. And it's so uncomfortable to be faced with this perceived failure that what I do is that I pull back. I find all kinds of reasons to avoid being with baby because deep down, I feel like a failure. Mm. And then I end up just letting my baby be with a helper all the time, with my mother-in-law all the time, or my husband. I'm not saying that, but deep down, I feel like I suck at this. And so the baby's better off with others. Mm. And so I remove myself and you can see what this does. How are you going to be better as a mother and learn about your baby if you're not having that exposure? So it compounds the problem and then it feeds into that depression and it's very isolating. And for other women, it can spin into anxious behaviors and increased levels of anxiety because, oh my goodness, I don't know. I can't read my baby. I'm going to read all these books. I'm going to look at the, all these trainings on the blogs and on Instagram. Well, she said that maybe I'll try that. They're spinning their wheels. And their body's there, but they're not there. They're not showering. They're not eating enough. They're not getting out of the house because they're spinning their wheels desperately, trying to be that kind of instinctive mother they're told they're supposed to be. Mm. So they are exhausted, burnt out, and then trying to have that headspace and heart space to get to know the baby, again, it gets in the way of being present and attuning to baby. And I would say the listeners who are pregnant or new mothers, new parents, that most struggle with something, at least one thing. And it's a very clever idea to get screened. And you can screen our website for free in pregnancy, postpartum, just to check how you're doing with levels of depression and anxiety. Once you have a look at the scores, then you can seek help.
1: Sylvia, do you want to talk a little bit about paternal instinct before we end off? I would like
2: us to move away from maternal instinct and talk about parental Mm. instinct. We put such burden on women. Why is it just maternal instinct? Because sometimes it feels like some kind of legitimized excuse for fathers to step back Because it's a maternal, you know, when babies are so little, they just want their mommies and only the mommies can sue them. That is not true. Of course, if the woman's breastfeeding, it means that he has less time to hang out with the baby. But if you have any kind of parental leave, and as a man, you have the opportunity to be exposed with your baby and do caregiving, you can develop that paternal instinct as well. Physiologically, your body and the hormones will be priming you to be responsive and attuned. So, rather than always going to your partner and asking, what should I do? Tell me what to do. How about you learn from your baby as well? Because again, you are different from your wife. So take that time, take that opportunity, take the baby for a walk, let your wife have a lie-in. And if the baby starts crying... Don't hand it back to your wife straight away. Oh, I don't know what to do. Yeah, she doesn't know what to do either. Figure it out. (laughs) Hold on to that baby. Try something. Maybe she soothes the baby by breastfeeding, but maybe you can soothe your baby by singing or going for a walk or tapping baby's back. Find your own daddy way to connect with your baby.
0: Mm, So instead of maternal instinct, it should be something like parental guidance.
2: (laughs) Parental inclinations parental inclinations mm. it's gentler it's more open yes I like that
1: that's the end of our episode of womankind we hope it gave you some useful new perspectives that you can learn from and apply in your own life we'd love to hear from you so if you have an idea for the podcast or a view on today's topic or just want to share some feedback do reach out to us details are in the show notes
0: Before we sign off, here are this week's Words for Womankind by William McNeill Dixon, 20th century British author. Birth is the sudden opening of a window, through which you look out upon a stupendous prospect. For what has happened? A miracle. You have exchanged nothing for the possibility of
1: everything. Something to think about. And with that, I'm Hidayah. And I'm Penelope with our guest, Sylvia Wetherell, and this has been the Womankind Podcast.